Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Creason, and Bill Hosler. The views, opinions and experiences that are expressed by the hosts or guests as individual Freemasons do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant body, or Masonic authority to which the hosts or guests belong. And now on with the show. and welcome to another exciting edition of Meet, Act, and Part. And you can see us on this one. So we're actually trying a new platform tonight, and we're going to try some video. So I hope you'll uh, play along with us as we have this episode. I am one of your co-hosts, Greg Knott. I'm Bill Hosler. And I'm Darren Laners. So welcome to our new platform. And... Video is probably something the three of us don't naturally have a face for, but hey, you're looking at us, so I hope we uh, don't scare you off. going to talk about social media tonight. I attended a conference recently, and we thought it might be kind of fun to recap some of what I did. So what I did, if you can see this, is I went to Grapevine, Texas to the Shriners International Membership and Marketing Conference. And I have never been to one of those. I've been in the Shrine since 2008, but honestly haven't really been active until the last year or so. Uh, Darren and I are members of a new Shrine Club here in East Central Illinois, Salt Fork Shrine Club. Uh, Darren actually just came through the uh, uh, Cold Sands uh, at the end of last year. So he's a fairly new Shriner, but we're, uh, anyway, getting our Shrine Club up and going. So I thought the Shriners have this, uh, conference. And so I signed up and went and just, you know, I, my quick impression is it was extremely well done. It was, uh, uh, professional. I've been to a lot of conferences in my day with my job and other things. And it was equal to any of those. It was professionally ran. Uh, it was over the course of three days, and everything was on time. The food was really good. The service was good. You know, like the entire hospitality industry, the hotels are short-staffed, but they they did a, a great job. It was at the Embassy Suites at uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, no, Dallas Worth North, which is uh, just outside of the, uh, the airport. So what I thought I'd do is kind of go through the topics and actually have Bill and Darren uh, kind of talk about those in the broader sense, too, because, if, you know, talking about marketing and membership, they're obviously interloped with one another, but they really are two uh, distinct things. And, you know, if you think about membership, obviously membership is the element of bringing in people. And to me, marketing is part of that message of getting the word out to them so the public knows uh, who you are, what you are, and what you do, so that they may uh, want to become uh, members. So, you know, it's funny. One of the first classes we had after the keynotes and all that was 
They called it From Ordinary to Extraordinary, The Power of Wow and Event Design. And, you know, what they did in that session was go through and, and talk about some key elements of if you're putting on an event. Because obviously, you know, membership and marketing all kind of intersect perhaps at, a, at an event you're going to have. And, you know, one of the, the key takeaways was, and we, Darren, Darren and I have learned this and probably Bill from other organizations, scouts in, in our case, start, stop and continue. In other words, after you've done an event, go through and, and do an analysis of how it went. You know, what would start? What would you do next time that you didn't do the last time? The stop, what didn't work that you're going to discontinue? And the continue was things that went well that you're going to, you know, do again or, or improve on. So that's, that was one of the first things we spoke about. So that was uh, critical. Then we went on to talk about challenges inevitable, defeat is a choice, membership acquisition and onboarding. And I want to spend a few minutes on this one because we all know the proverbial thing. We get new members, they go through their three degrees, they come to one meeting, and we don't see them again. And then we look around at each other and wonder, well, why didn't they come back? And probably if we would ask ourselves maybe even the the start, stop, continue question, uh, the answer might be right there in front of us. And so what they spoke about in this session really was uh, mentoring, a, a pace at which to, you know, to bring them through, uh, in this, and not only the, the Blue Lodge degrees, but of course the, the, the shrine. But I think part of their point was to keep in touch with them. And Bill, let me ask you, I mean, you know, it seems like mentoring and, and membership retention in particular is a challenge for any organization today. What do you think we could be doing different or better that may help that? If you sign a brother's petition, especially if you're a top line signer, I mean, you should be able to answer just about any question he would have. I would hope you could, but then again, hopefully your top line signer could answer the question you had. But I think that you're dead on something. This, well, I don't remember what you called it. Stop, drop, and roll? No, something, <laughs> yeah. like, that. something like that. Start, stop, and but, continue. Yeah, start, stop, and continue. Every lodge should be asking themselves that. I mean, if you stop and think about it, most every lodge, they're tickled to get new members. But then they do often leave. And nobody, if they even notice that they leave, they don't ask why. And many of the times it's because the existing members are like, well, I can't see why. I think it's great. You know, we go up here, we have our chili or we have our ham sandwich. we go in, we listen to the minutes, and we make wise cracks for an hour that we leave, and we're good till the next pancake breakfast. And, you know, they stop and think, well, maybe not everyone's involved in or interested in that. And so maybe if they would stop and consider that not everyone's interested in that, maybe they should. You know, maybe they would consider, hey, maybe we should look into dropping some of these things and trying something different. It's, you know, it's one thing to get a member in the front door, but you got to keep them from wanting to slip out that back door for the meetings over. You know, Darren, one of the things I, I took quite a few notes during both, during all the sessions, but in 
these two in particular kind of went hand in hand, the events and then the member retention and such. But one of the things I wrote down was keep in contact with your members and see what they would like to do. And Darren, I know I've been with you a number of times. We've tried things at St. Joe Lodge and sometimes they worked and maybe more than not, they haven't. But uh, what do you think we could do better, you know, in, in that keeping in contact, seeing what they want to do? What, what, what can we do different or better? There's, or the start or the stop concept we just spoke about. Well, I think all, all lodges, well, most of all lodges, I'm sure there are a few that probably do a good job of keeping in touch with their membership, especially the ones that aren't showing up to lodge. So I think proactivity is something that a lot of lodges could probably do better. You know, it seems, uh, even at meetings where a lot of meetings agendas are driven by putting out fires. You know, if you've got an issue with your building that needs repair. So it, a lot of even our stated business meetings are driven by, by these kind of external factors. So I think it, it really kind of boils down to having either the worship master being proactive enough or assigning a committee that's proactive enough to reach out to the, the membership that or even those new members that have shown up and then, you know, kind of disappeared. And I think, you know, we spend so much time chasing people that haven't paid their dues. We should spend time chasing the people that are paying their dues, but just aren't for whatever reason showing up and, um, and seeing what's, uh, you know, what's going on with them. Or find totally. out why they're not paying their dues. And well, there might be a reason. It. Right. And, you know, one of the things that was, you know, when we kind of talk about in events is essentially you do events. Events could be, you know, Blue Lodge case meetings or dinners or whatever. Uh, you give people a reason to come, though. And I think more often than not, we give them reasons not to come. And, you know, the cycle, once they quit coming, then it's, uh, you know, they get in the habit of doing other things and then uh, forget about us. And then after two or three years, wonder why they're still you know, need to send 50 bucks for something they don't participate in. And uh, I think that's part of it. And it's, I think, Darren, your point spot on, you know, reaching out to some of those that do keep paying the dues and see if we can, you know, maybe rekindle their interest and get them back, uh, you know, to a meeting or, and whatnot. I, I actually, I, I reached out to, I was texting with one of our St. Joe members today, Darren, and he hasn't been there in quite a while and said, hey, come back, see us whenever you get time, no hurry. And, you know, and he was just saying he'd been really busy and had had, had <laughs> quite a few, three or four kids, you know, since he was raised. And, you know, and so, you know, hey, absolutely. Like, you know, that's there. And I said, whenever you get time, come on out. You know, we'll be here for you. And so I think just making that touch point with him uh, was, you know, that he was just glad to hear hear what was going on a little bit in the lodge and, and that kind of thing. So I, I think that's something we don't do very well at is reaching out to the people except for the ones that are showing up. You know, in the meetings. Yeah, everybody remembers you when your butt hits the seat, but then they don't think about you when you're gone. Which, which is sad because what if the brother is sick or he's been really had some financial problems or something? You know, maybe, the, and that's when he needs his brethren the most. And, and if we don't know about it, there was one time when I was managing the Fort Wayne Temple, and I got a call one day from a lady. It was an elderly widow, and she called me, and she was so flippin' mad. And I, 
I didn't know the lady from Adam, and she called me. She says, I want you to call whoever and tell people whoever to take me off their mailing list. I don't want to hear from these people ever again, you Masons. And I'm like, well, ma'am, just calm down. Tell me what's happening. She says, my husband died eight years ago, and I haven't heard boo from you people. When he died, I didn't get nothing from you people. I didn't get a thank you or a, a, consol- a you know, consol- consolence. I didn't have a funeral for him. I didn't have any of this stuff. And all I ever get from you people now is wanting some type of money from you, like a you know, you pay, you know, give us a contribution for this or contribution for that. And I'm sick of it. You didn't wasn't there for him when he was dying, and you're not. And all you want to do is now. And I was gobsmacked. I ended up calling the Grand Lodge and said. I took her, you know, information. Say, hey, make sure that this brother's, you know, information. He died, you know, and eight years he was still on. I don't know how because he he we should have been, you know, at least if nothing more, dropped for NPD. But he was still on the rolls. You know, when our Grand Lodge kept coming to him for a handout. And I mean, it could have been the Scottish Rite. It could have been a strike. Could have all of them been you know, doing the same thing, but. There's a good classic example of we should have known and we dropped the ball and here's this widow could have maybe even used us and we did nothing. Well, here's a here's a stat I wrote down and they were talking about web inquiries. People will see, you know, uh, be a Freemason dot com, I think is the website or there's a Shriner website. Currently, we are only converting about 24 percent of the membership inquiries into membership. and. A lot of that is because lodges don't follow up on them. And, and, you know, that's part of the issue is, again, the lack of contact. And so here's a list of things, Darren, I'll have you weigh in on this. You know, how, how do we, how can we touch people? Email, text, Facebook Messenger, Slack, Snapchat, and other new and emerging platforms. I mean, I guess the point is there's almost an unlimited amount of ways to reach out and touch people. Different generations, I suppose, want different things. But, Darren, how, how can we do better? I mean, maybe is it just doing it? Are we making it too hard? I think we can do better by not saying reach out and touch people because that can get you into trouble these days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there are there are ways that one can communicate. Uh, I mean, case in point, Greg, you set up this wonderful app for our Shrine Club. What is it? Groupable? Group, group me, sorry, group, group me, me. Yeah, group, group me. me, which, uh, you know, allows, uh, all the members to be in one long text string. So, you know, that's a way for instant communication. You know, I think that the days, uh, of the column all are, are fading, uh, especially even, even now that they put some of these new advanced spam call filters into place. A lot of these services, a lot of the, call malls that I normally used to get are being, you know, are being denied because it's being identified as, as a robocaller. So, so yeah, I think that there are emerging technologies like, you know, Facebook Messenger or uh, GroupMe or what is it, WhatsApp, I guess is another messaging app that could be used in place of, of call all. But I mean, once again, it, it boils down to having the personnel at your lodge that are going to be uh willing to you know doing to be doing the outreach and 
And without, uh, without that, it really doesn't matter what, what you attempt to use or what you try to use, because at the end of the day, without, you know, having somebody operate that application, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to operate itself, at least yet. Well, about a year ago, I was talking with the now Grandmaster Texas. We were trying to set up something just on this very subject. And we were talking about it because they were going to set up, I don't know, I'm, I'm no longer working with them on it. They were going to set up their own individual beatexasmason.com.org, whatever they went up, what side to go with. And they were going to put things in place because just because of this 25%. And I can think of even like 15 years ago, the Grand Lodge of Indiana, they started, they took and they made a website and they circled 465 in Indy with billboards. And they put the web address on there. And everyone who actually sent in information, it never went anywhere because no one ever distributed it. It just died. So now, you know, it's getting a little bit better now, but and it doesn't. It just it's half the time, you know, the secretary is technophobic or he doesn't want to get messed with it. But we decided to probably put it into place, you know, have a DVGM, kind of like he's responsible to make sure the lodges actually, you know, are checking up on this. And if they don't do it, have someone else like the DVGM talk to them or something like that. And actually, we were also talking about these um, different ways of communications because there's statistics. We did a marketing class. Facebook is pretty much for guys at our age these now. It's pretty much from 40 to dead. And so, you know, that doesn't really touch the millennials or the Gen Zs. They're more into um, Instagram, TikTok, and WhatsApp, some of these other ones. And as for you know, membership, we were advocating to, you know, instead of uh, putting Facebook ads up, to maybe invest the money in like a TikTok ad and YouTube ads you know, tailored specifically to men from 18 to whatever with specific interests. And that's, that's the key is that you go into specific interests. Like if a guy looks into National Treasure, he gets a, a, a YouTube ad afterwards wanting, you know, are you interested in Freemasonry? Contact the Grand Lodge, blah, blah, blah. Or TikTok's the same way or what's that but i also advocated to set up an sms protocol to where a lodge can go up and they can text their message their members they can sign up voluntarily they go up you know text mason to four five six seven and these you know and then you can receive degree updates you can receive cancellations you receive reminders of membership night you know member nights stated meetings whatever and it's really, it's only like pennies per, per text. It's really, it's, it's available and it's affordable now. And you can do that. And MailChimp offers free email lists. So you don't even have to pay for that. If it's under 500, I think, which, you know, I think at most every Masonic Lodge is going to be able to qualify for that. But there's a hundred different ways that, it, that you can get your name out. You know, the old robocalling, they're dead. So there's a TikTok. That's from the Grand Lodge of Indiana. Oh, they did and, do it. Yeah, they did do it. Actually, I met a gentleman there that I think uh, runs part of these. And so this one is probably not as wild as most of the TikTok videos I've seen. But it does, I think, Bill, to your point, gets that age demographic. Where are they? Because you're right. 
they're not on Facebook. They're, you know, that the, the, the generations younger than us, you know, younger than X and our Gen X in our case, they're on different right. platforms. Well, in the 15 to 25 percent of second video ad is cheap on yeah. that kind of platform. You know, I mean, that's the thing we always worry about. And there are so many different platforms that you can advertise on. Yeah. In fact, Facebook. There's your grand, your grandmaster. Oh, there's, yeah, there's Brad. Yeah. There's Brad. So. Or excuse me, most worshipful brother, Brad Billingsley, Bradley Billingsley. I'm sorry. But anyway, they had, I was going to say, my train of thought, you read, but it's, it's not brain surgery. It really isn't. You can do most of this for next to nothing. And all you have to do is be creative. And, you know, if you've got a grandkids or you've got kids, watch what they're watching, you know, on, on the internet. Yeah. And see, oh, well, I mean, it's it's really simple. You know, when we did PR for the shrine in my home shrine club or shrine center, you know, we did all kinds of stuff. And it, it benefits so many. It does membership. It does the hospitals. It does everybody. I mean, but there's I'm, – I'm, I know I'm taking this over. But this has been an area that I've been really hot and heavy with forever. <laughs> Two of the points they made were follow-up and communicate in as many methods as practical. And, you know, Darren Darren helped uh, recently at the Shrine Club. We did a, a ceremonial in our local area. But one of the things I had done was I sent out, I think, 15 uh, personalized letters to people inviting them. Now, my return, I got four or five of them uh, that, that joined. And I don't know if that's solely the reason they joined because the letter but what I did with the other guys, I, I've got a prospect list. Now, maybe some of them will probably never join. That's fine. But I've got them on a list, and they, they've heard from me. And, you know, some of them, they're like, I just don't have time right now. might be interested in later. And I'll follow up with them at some future time down the road. But I think, you know, staying in touch with them and writing a, a handwritten note at times, even the old-fashioned ways are as valuable as the uh, the current ways. I think sometimes. Uh, we think electronic is the magic answer for everything, and still a handwritten note or even a, a phone call or an in-person conversation uh, are still just as effective as some of the, uh, the social media. Actually, with the millennials and Gen Zs, it's, it's more personal because they are really into now stationery and letter writing and thank you notes and things. So it's actually probably more of a, a thing for them, you know, for us. I mean, we're at the point now, oh, I've had letters all my life, big deal. You send me an email, I don't need. But, you know, for the younger people, they do tend to take that more to heart than we do. Darren, what do you think about TikTok? Is that a, is that a video that if uh, we have a Master Mason has an intern, that he should have the, uh, the intern focus on a, doing a, a creative TikTok? Well, I, I have TikTok. My account's private. I just share some videos with friends and such. But case in point, our good friend Robert Johnson is a TikTok. I follow him and he, uh, you know, puts out content on there as well. I, I personally, I played around with potentially doing a Masonic TikTok because unfortunately, the ones that I've seen and I don't want to, I don't want to talk ill of any other brethren, but I mean, to be quite honest, I don't know if they're regular or regular or, or uh, I don't know them from Adam. The guys that have, you know, the, the ink on their face or look like they are auditioning for a horror movie. So 
So it, it doesn't really, in my mind, cast the fraternity in a good light uh, when some of these brothers are, are popular. Now there are, are, there are other brothers that are, you know, popular as well that I've seen that are, I look more clean cut, but, um, I think that, uh, I think TikTok has a good potential to, to reach for outreach for some of these age groups. I think what we need to be careful, however, is that we aren't, that we're, you know, if we're going to do a Masonic TikTok that we, have people closer to their age doing it because I think the last thing that, uh, these, these, uh, generation groups, the Gen Z's and the millennials want to see is what they, you know, call the, the boomers out there. And unfortunately now anybody above, you know, 40 is a boomer to, you know, like my kids generation, my oldest is 21. So <laughs> even though I'm not technically a boomer, I'm still a boomer, but. So, you know, if we're looking, if we're trying to reach that next uh, group of potential members that are, you know, in that 18 to say 30 range, I think we would be well served by having our younger membership do this type of marketing material for them. One of the things that kind of, uh, and and I think the Northern Masonic jurisdictions done a, a lot of great stuff, especially with the, their campaign to, you know, be a Freemason.org. I was, however, greatly disappointed in their last round of marketing materials because I felt like they, I felt like they missed a huge opportunity for outreach to some of the younger brethren there that target kind of target audience that they, that I potentially would think they'd want to recruit into the Scottish right. And, you know, I felt like the age demographic was off. I didn't feel that there was a lot of diversity in the videos and I, and some of the things that I thought would be attractive to the younger membership was kind of lacking in those videos. So I think we would have to be very careful to make sure that we take things like this into consideration. And it almost, you know, and that's, that's the thing that I don't know who they hired as their marketing firm and how much they paid them, but I'd personally be trying to get my a refund from them because I think that they completely, completely missed the mark with those series of videos. Just that's my personal opinion. Yeah. So on a local level, I think, or any regional or whatever your marketing campaign is going to be is, I think before you even start one, you need to sit down and figure out who it is you're going to market to. And that could, you know, include age as part of that decision and craft a plan before you begin. I mean, how many Facebook groups have you guys seen pop up out of nowhere that you get invited to and, you know, you join and somebody's on fire and, you know, not in necessarily a bad way. I mean, energetic. And they go for, you know, a period of time and then they fizzle out because there's, there's really no strategy to them or there's no, uh, consistency in the long run. Point being, same with a, a marketing campaign. Now, uh, Darren and I are near four little local lodges here in, in our communities. And, uh, we, we talked about, you know, we, maybe we should plan one for those four lodges. But before we'd even begin, you know, we'd want to make sure there's at least a little bit of, uh, plan. A budget, and thirdly, and I think most importantly, a commitment for follow-up if you do actually have someone inquire. Because going back to that statistic I uh, mentioned earlier, the 24% of you know inquiries turn them into members. 
that's not a very good response rate to some of our folks. So anyway, those are just some things I think before uh, you would do any of those. Darren, to your point about the TikTok, uh, I've not really been on it very much. Uh, I, I'm going to talk like an old guy now. I've seen limited uses for it. However, there was one gentleman at my table that was younger than me, and he was from, I think, Cincinnati area, and he's been very successful with it, but he's he's found how to do them, uh, how to reach, you know, the particular demographic he wants to do, and he's put the effort in to make him success, successful, and I think that's, that's going to be a part of the key for anything that's going to work. Okay. Well... Bill, you are probably a, you're almost a full-time internet mason. Uh, <laughs> what are you seeing out there for trends? Cause you are, you manage to post things for, you know, meet acting part, midnight Freemasons and a number of other things, uh, across platforms. I see it on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and I don't know, probably a few others I'm not even on, but where, where do you, what trends are you seeing or, or, you know, what's effective more, more so than others? Well, to be honest, I've been kind of taking a break from social media a little bit here lately. When I post all those things, I have a, a, a program that I can do on my iPad that I post the story to all of them at once. And I don't even visit them to be perfectly honest. So, but you know, lately, you know, it's been last when I was on it last time, it was pretty much just, it's the same old things over and over, you know, which way do you wear a ring? Was so-and-so a, a Freemason? Or, you know, there, there just doesn't seem to be a lot. I, mean, I know a lot of it is, is you'll get people who are new and they, you know, come up with something and, oh, this is gold. I didn't, you know, and then they'll go up and they'll visit a, a Facebook group and they're new and they think they've just seen something nobody else has. And everybody else on there has either just seen it here a couple of years ago or, you know, 15 years ago, you know, and it's another one is like one of these is, can a Satan be a Satanist be a Freemason? That's another one that'll get things started. But it's, it never just lately, it just really hasn't been that much that I've seen. There was one that I was kind of curious about lately. Yesterday, the two grand, uh, sovereign grand commanders of the Northern and the Southern Masonic jurisdictions of the Scottish Rite posted proclamation saying it's all right to visit each other's jurisdictions, you know, Masonically. And I'm thinking, was that a thing where we weren't supposed to before? Because I've been doing that for years. <laughs> I was like, is this something new? Is this like, did Lindbergh just fly to Paris again or what? Is this something that I'm missing or, <laughs> but. No, it just seems like there's nothing new under the sun. It just, and I don't know, maybe that's part of it. Just we're all stale and we need something to, you know, unless there's another thing from one of these states that just tend to act up, you know, once in a while. There never seems to be anything exciting going on anymore. Yeah. Hey, Darren, where do you find, I know you, you, you and I've talked to you, you're not on social media as much as least on Facebook and some of those is past days. Where do you find any value? And any of the kinds of, you know, discussions of a more in-depth nature of, you know, you know, semi-esoteric things or some of the, you know, more deeper topics of Freemasonry. Are you finding that anywhere online or um, is it still just kind of where Bill alludes to? 
I think it depends. I think there are some groups like Refracted Light on Facebook that, you know, tend more towards the esoteric. Uh, it, it, it really, honestly, I think Bill, to Bill's point, a lot of what he's mentioning, I think, is the common fodder for uh, the winding. I'm sorry, the winding stairs um, <laughs> Freemasonry group. So, uh, uh, so hey, I'm one of the babysitters for that group. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so what? What does that tell you, Bill? That is, uh, it tells a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, in all seriousness, I will say that Alex Powers has been putting out some good content or asking some kind of thought-provoking questions on the Kansas Freemasonry group. He's kind of come up with some daily questions to ask everybody, which I think it's interesting seeing everyone's answers. You know, as I said, refracted light. But I I mean, to be quite honest, a lot of it is just kind of the the stuff that this that Bill alluded to. So a lot of, you know, what I (laughs) the, the stuff that. My interest in esoterics is, is essentially I kind of just um, self-study. I pick a topic and, and research, and and I don't really uh, – I may share my findings, quote-unquote, by writing something for the Midnight Freemasons blog on it, but I, I'm not really active on well, social media, as you said, so – and I think that's another common denominator here is, is that we're not the only ones because I've noticed that – I mean, we put out a lot of the same content on this on the Midnight Freemasons, but uh, I don't know by the bloggers. I don't have access to that, but by what I share on those groups, or excuse me, by on those platforms, our numbers are way down too of people clicking and visiting and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I've kind of wondered if it just isn't people are just kind of on either tired or of social media, or they're taking a break, or you know, just kind of just. The social media like, fatigue. Yeah, there you go. That's a good, perfect way of saying it. Yeah. I I wonder, you know, say the last couple of years when we were all home so much more, and, and quite frankly, at times didn't have anything to do because there wasn't anything open or you couldn't go anywhere, that we all spent so much time online. And uh, I know I, I, I get tired of it. Well, and, and things I've read about Facebook numbers have started to decline, even though they're still a very big, big number that, you know, people have started to migrate away from it. I, I don't know that I'd call it a trend yet, but, uh, you do wonder if, if we're at the beginning of something that people say, you know, uh, it really does, doesn't add that much value to your life overall. And then the time spent on it's wasted. I think Facebook will be my space in another 10 years. I think it's going to be pretty much dead as the dodo, to be quite honest with you. I think, uh, no, obviously Meta owns a lot more than just Facebook. You know, they own Instagram, they own WhatsApp. So I don't think they'll be hurting for money. But I think, I think that, that as Bill mentioned earlier, I think Facebook is really kind of just uh, now become a platform for you know, I, there are, uh, there's a large number of millennials that still use it, Gen X, uh, the boomer generation, but I, I think Gen Z for the most part. I know neither of my kids have a Facebook account, uh, to my knowledge, and I don't think that they do because they, uh, there are other things that, you know, other places they, they go to, uh, you know, get their, 
content. Uh, YouTube has always been big with both of my, both of my kids. And I think also potentially, uh, Snapchat, TikTok now. So I think you're seeing these, these other kind of platforms replace, uh, replace Facebook. And I really kind of foresee it dying out probably in the next 10 years or being, having a much, much lower potential, you know, audience. Yeah. Well, here's you know, another what? thing about, Oh, I was just going to say, here's another thing about Facebook. And I don't talk about it much, but I do do some advertising on Facebook, you know, for this show, you know, just to get the word out so that you know, it makes it, you know, I know it's not going to make a huge difference, but I do put, you know, $20 here and there just, just because I know it's going to make our, you know, get our name out a little quicker than what it would be organically. And I went to do that on our previous episode with Roger Van Gordon on Facebook. And they had said that they're going to take out specifics on their, on their, org, on their, on their advertising. And so I, I thought, well, okay, I don't know what that means. Well, I went over there the other day and every target demographic that we use, Freemason, Masonic, uh, Grand Lodge, Masonry, Lodge, any keyword that we would use to draw someone who is interested in Freemasonry, has been taken off there. You could only, the only ones we could use would be something like podcast or United States or something. And I, and, uh, and it's like, well, what's the point? I'm going to get people who could care less about Freemasonry. He's going to listen to Roger talk about Freemasonry. And they're going to be like, well, why do I care about that? What are you bringing that to me for? So I didn't bother. And I'm going to assure that there are going to be a lot of other people who's going to be doing the same thing. So it's like, are you people trying to kill your business or what are you doing? <laughs> well, one thing I was going to see what you guys think about is concerns of privacy that, you know, it's funny as I sometimes on Facebook, you know, it'll say, here's your memories. And it's funny. I was looking at it today and, and I was, I was running for election for a local office 11 years ago. So I had a series of things out there and it's funny, you know, all the, you know, the, the comments and likes, they were so much tamer in 2011 than they, that I see now. Now I, I, I don't want to post a lot of stuff out there anymore because the, the amount of stupidity is, is grown as we both all know uh, exponentially. But I wonder if some of the younger people and then eventually even us Xers and boomers will say, you know, we've given up so much of our privacy to Facebook and other platforms that we're going to recoil from it and just say, uh, we don't really need these anymore because they know too much about us. Don't, don't you foresee that happen at some point? Uh, yeah, but the sneaky thing about Facebook is because Meta owns, uh, Instagram and WhatsApp or whatever. Even though you may have your microphone disabled on uh, fa your Facebook app or your Facebook Messenger app, if for some reason you have it enabled on Instagram, lo and behold, you'll start seeing ads for, or for things that you're discussing on, on Facebook. So, um, you know, essentially we've already let the horse out of the barn on, on this and on privacy. And, and, you know, uh, when did, uh, oh, when did the, uh, hubbub come out with the NSA and, about a decade ago. <clears throat> yeah. So he, uh, back then, I mean, he kind of blew the lid off of the mass surveillance that was happening at that point. And 
I doubt highly that that it's declined. If anything, it's probably even uh, become worse. You know, you read about all these massive data centers that the NSA is building out in the middle of the desert in Utah and other places, just these warehouses of, of, of data. I think if you, the only true way to get any privacy would be to unplug and move out to the middle of nowhere and, and just live off the grid because otherwise you're just, uh, you are going to be essentially Big Brother's always going to be watching somewhere or somehow. So either it be Big Brother, Big Corporations, whatever you, whatever you, however you want to name it, that, that horse is already out of the barn and has been for quite some time. Well, I, for one, welcome my new corporate and government overlords. But uh, honestly, I'm I'm not one that cares about my privacy. I, you know, I, my life's been an open book. Tammy can't get, she just, you let people know that? Yeah, what do I care? You know, it's like when I, you know, back in the day, you know, it's like, aren't you worried about people who hold your credit information? I said, are you kidding? If they can do something with it, that's the way I'd screwed it up. I want to meet them and find out how they did it. So that's kind of the way I look at it. And, you know, I pretty much, you know, I've started out with nothing and I pretty much still got most of it. And so, you know, why worry, you know? Well, it'll be uh, sure interesting to watch it in the next decade or even the next five years, actually, or less and see uh, what transpires because I don't think it's on a sustainable arc anymore. I think the novelty wore off quite a while ago. The thing is, you know, it's like, you know, for, for all the amount of communications we have in present day with, you know, the phones and, and all that other, how many other communication methods it's essentially destroyed, you know, the, the handwritten letter for the most part, you don't get too many anymore. Uh, your local community newspaper has dried up. Now even your local radio stations are, uh, starting to dry up. You know, people having face to face conversations have, uh, dropped dramatically, and Darren has talked about some of that, and uh, you know some of the, uh, the presentations he's done on you know lack of friends and all that. So I don't know. I just I I think at some point it's gonna it's got to circle all the way back around, and and people are just gonna say, let's just have face to face again. I'll tell you one story. We were in a hallway conversation at work this week, which I've hardly done in the last two and a half years because we haven't been there, and. Somebody walked by just by chance and they worked in the IT area and we got to talking, you know, about email. And, uh, he goes, well, you know, we could just turn it off at the campus level. I said, wouldn't that be wonderful? I said, I've actually worked here long enough. But I actually remember the days when, uh, you know, email didn't consume eight hours of your day or sitting there waiting. And we actually did get up and go talk to people. And you think what a change that would be if you could turn off email or, or some of these instantly. And wasn't there a, didn't Facebook have a an outage a, a year or two ago? And that was all the big buzz about how people, oh my gosh, my Facebook doesn't work. So I've actually got to go talk to somebody. But then they'll go back to paper memos and then we'll have to reply with paper memos. And then... <laughs> so maybe there's some middle ground in there somewhere. I don't know, but I don't know. I, I, maybe a, I never thought I'd be the old timer, but I guess that's what, that's what happens when you keep uh, increasing that age. You think about how it, how it was, and maybe it was better. I I don't know. Well, I think I think uh, as we see AI continue to grow and grow, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see more of a, a, for lack of a better term, a bunch of Luddites kind of come out and, and rally against, uh, against technology because, and you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gen Xer, so I'm cynical by nature, but you know, I grew up with movies like The Terminator and all these other movies warning us about AI and the dangers of AI. So, you know, even, even before Terminator or around the same time as Terminator, you had war games, you know, and, and you had all these, these, uh, these movies warning us about AI. And here we are on the threshold of, uh, where we have, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of AI that's, that's running in the background that you may not even know about all of the automated calls, call centers now, you know, when you call a corporation and you, have to speak a certain thing into to a phone you know that's all ai bots that's all algorithms uh the world's being uh slowly uh, we're slowly ceding more and more control to these these things and uh you know who knows i just uh, i tend to like i said i tend to be cynical so i wouldn't be too surprised to see a luddite movement and uh you know when when we decide to go burn the computers i'll be right there with them i guess if you guys get a chance, and if you have um, Amazon Prime, go watch the, the series Upload. There's a, actually a group of Luddites in there who's trying to stop civilization and technology. It's just like you described it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I wish we could pick and choose sometimes, because I think of all the the positive things in, in, in the medical field that have advanced, you know, science and technology and, and ability to heal people and, you know, techniques that are easier on your body, etc. We don't want that to stop. Yet, you know, you're right. Some of these other things, and maybe it's even the platform here we're using tonight, you know, maybe that is an example of it. You know, it's good and it has drawbacks at the same time. I I wish we could pick and choose. We can't because that is one thing uh, humans do is advance knowledge, advance, you know, civilization, whether we like it or not. But I do wonder if we're not almost to that precipice where have we gone too far on some of the things. So I don't know. It is, it is pretty creepy at times. So, and, you know, to bring it back to our local lodge level, to me, uh, you know, Darren and I, we've got a meeting tomorrow night as we record this, uh, uh, podcast. And, you know, it, it's, will it be exciting? Uh, probably not, but, you know, it'll be good to see some people though. And I think that's still added value. I mean, you know, uh, you don't get to see, you know, people like we did. And I, I think getting people to get them out again into the habit of, of talking and seeing each other in person is, uh, is where there's an opportunity for Freemasonry and the Shriners and the Scottish Rite and York Rite and, you know, all of our, uh, groups. You know, that's what they're designed to do is bring people together and talk about things and learn from each other and enjoy a, a fraternal bond of brotherhood together. And, Maybe we could use social media to reinforce that positive aspect that, you know, the media is the advertising, but the value is seeing uh, each other in, in person. So, I don't know. Any other thoughts, you guys, on any of this thing? Let me, I do want to touch on one final topic that uh, there was many more that we talked about at the Shrine Conference, but one of them I think kind of goes along with what we're talking about here. In this case, they had a session on crisis management in the media, and they gave an example, showed an example of, of there was a, a shrine meeting, and they 
were talking about a circus, wherever their local circus was, and uh, PETA showed up at this meeting. And, of course, PETA is not uh, for the Shrine Circus. And uh, the, the person from PETA got up and, you know, started, you know, saying certain things and, uh, of course, you know, stopped the middle of the meeting and, uh, you know, a couple of guys in the room jumped up and, uh, you know, said some things and, and this, that, and the other. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, then you know, it just gets a little uh, contentious. And, well, you know, there was a second person there also filming it. And the, the presenter's point was, this is now on YouTube forever. And uh, so he was saying, and this was just an example, but his, his exam, you know, his point was, with the speed of social media today, and just, you know, the internet and how fast things spread in general, you always need to think about what it is you're doing, how you're saying it, and when you're saying it. But then if something doesn't go right, to have also thought ahead and, you know, have a plan, if, if possible, to how you handle such things. So let's say something, say there's a tragedy in a lodge. It's not even a, a you know, malicious thing. You know, a lodge, really, we should probably have a plan that says, you know, this person is the spokesperson for the event. They're the contact and these kind of things uh, to think about these ahead of time. And so that you're not in a reactionary mode, or as he also pointed out, you really don't have to comment on anything. You know, you can acknowledge, uh, you know, the media, you know, we just, you know, declined to comment. Uh, but his point was to, in this day and age, be prepared uh, for any event that could happen and, and the need to respond to it. Uh, because if not, people are going to respond for you and it may not be in a positive manner. So. So, Darren, we've seen that with some of the, uh, you know, things that have happened and lodge windows being broken. And, you know, even in our local local area, there's things that have happened that, uh, you know, lodges and grand lodges had to be prepared to respond to to meeting inquiries. Yeah. Uh, and I think it just uh, it goes back to just watching how you act. And and now we have this other, you know, it used to be you had to watch how you acted if you were a Mason in the community and a well-known Mason. You know, I just got done doing uh, that breakdown of uh, Dwight Smith's Whither Are We Traveling? And Dwight really hammers on the point that, uh, you know, how we reflect ourselves in the community impacts uh, impacts us as a fraternity. And I think even more so now how we act in social media impacts us as a fraternity. And I've, I've, I've said this, uh, before and I'll say it again. You know, you're not, you're not being helpful if you are, you know, if you have a, uh, Masonic, uh, square and compass on a hat that you're wearing in your profile picture, but yet you're, you know, posting, uh, racist or you know anti things that are antithetical to the philosophy of freemasonry on your page or on other pages or in public forums or or what have you so uh absolutely and and i also think that a lot of grand lodges have a social media policy but i don't think that they enforce it i think they really need to and i don't know how it's enforceable you know i i it, uh, it, it, it's muddy waters, but at the end of the day, I think that if you 
have, if you identify somebody and you see them as a, if say, for example, they're a grand line officer and they're out on Facebook or social media saying things that are, you know, contrary to what the beliefs of Freemasonry are, I think that there should be some sort of uh, repercussions. And, and uh, I don't know that that's always happening. So, so I, I think it, I think the point, Darren, you're making is <laughs> use good judgment, you know, uh, and, and not only because you're a Freemason in general. I, I, I saw a local news story here yesterday that a, uh, an area police officer was, uh, gotten a lot of flack for racist comments he put on Twitter. Well, he thought he'd created a, an anonymous profile and there was a group that, you know, through whatever means went out and figured out who he was. And then reported him to his police department. And then, of course, the, the, the TV and uh, that kind of media picked it up. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was a firestorm. Well, he ended up resigning. And, uh, you know, point being is there is no anonymity on the, uh, the web. And, and what you say, uh, people are watching and it could come back to, to haunt you in some form. So, you know, use, uh, Keep yourself within due bounds as we are uh, taught within the uh, fraternity. So, well, we're getting long on the hour here. I'm going to see if Bill or Darren have just kind of have any final thoughts. Uh, Bill, anything to wrap up? <sighs> well, PR is just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's many different things, but each one of them are vital to a lodge. It could mean, you know, it, it would reflection on what your lodge is to the community. It's also um, a way to bring in new members. Try to take advantage as much as you can. There's communications that you could use. There's just so many things that you can do. And we, um, you can go back and look at some of our past episodes. We had one um, where we talked about uh, websites and communications and stuff. If you have any questions, that's a wealth of information. And get JP's book, Ken's book, because that would definitely help you in that process. Darren, any final thoughts? No, just uh, thanks to the listeners again, and thanks to you, too, uh, for uh, taking the time out to, to chat. Yep, good conversation. And, uh, again, we appreciate everybody that's listening in, trying a new format here tonight on a new platform. So we're hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it. But until another episode of Meet, Act, and Part, uh, join us then, and we hope you have a, uh, a good day. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there, please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet, Act, and Part.